Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to a new episode of Game Rivals. My voice is a bit different because I got the cold again, but hey, we're oh, no. here. I'm here with my friend Maximilian X. How are you doing, Maximilian? I'm okay. Um, sorry to hear that you have a cold. Apparently yeah. that's been going around. I don't know, man. I was sick in like a month ago and now I still have it. I got it again. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's this freaky, unnatural winter weather so i guess that i I guess people's immune systems are just taken for a ride i think so even though i'm trying to eat like a lot of fruit and vitamins and stuff like that but hey you know stuff happens we live in a strange country from a weather point of view yeah true true but it's been getting weirder and weirder you know yeah because you know people uh will not given to the fact that global warming is a thing yep <sighs> oh well let's jump we'll into the news <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to tough it out yeah yeah all right so let's just do that out the daily dally and jump right into the news then yep so big week for uh rumors yeah, yeah a lot yeah i mean if we're going to start from the top, we're going to start with the big thing, of course. It is potentially the year of the next generation, depending on how things go. Um, and this one is probably one of the more bigger rumors that was out there. The specs, the specs in quote, um, of the new systems, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. Jeez, that's still, yeah. That yeah, it doesn't work. Um, but basically, there were some specs leaked. Uh, I don't know if you have them in front of you. Let me I just do. pick them up real quickly. Yeah, All right. So it doesn't make sense, at least when I look at them. So it says that they've kind of put the PS5 and the Xbox Series X against each other, next to each other. Yeah, but like they both have an AMD Zen 2 CPU. We knew that. The PS5 runs at 3.6 gigahertz, and the Xbox runs at 3.7. And then it doesn't say how many cores; it just says the the clock speed. Yeah, I think it's like uh, what we have now is eight cores, so it's a minimum of eight cores. But maybe they'll push like ten or twelve cores. And then this is where it gets interesting. So they both use the new AMD RDNA graphics architecture. But from a compute point of view, the PS5 has has 12.6 teraflops and the Xbox has 11.8, which already sets me off. And then... Yeah, because... Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, the Xbox One X 
was how many teraflops? Like what six? Something like that. Yeah, six point eight or something like that. I can't see. I can't see in a reality where Microsoft would not take anything less than, at the very least, double the amount of the Xbox One X. I think they want to clearly show, like, hey, last gen we were the slower ones, so this gen we're gonna be the faster ones. And like exactly. from, a, from a memory point of view as well, the PS5 is supposed to have 18 gigs of RAM, and the Xbox is supposed to have 16 gigs, and then they both have separate four gigabytes of DDR4 RAM for like. I think basic other stuff, and then I'm assuming that the four gigs <laughs> is for um, graphics. No, more graphics. like um, background, uh, background uh, apps operations. Like that. Yeah, you know, because oh, I think that the GDDR6, I like the, for a GPU, you want to use the fastest memory available, and GPUs now use DDR6. So it'd be kind of strange if they go back to a slow, really slower uh, GPU. They do DDR5 now in consoles. Yeah, and then for storage, the PS5 is going to have 500 gigs of uh, SSD storage, which will be at 5.5 gigs a second, and the Xbox is going to have a terabyte of storage at 3.8 gigabytes a second. This also sets me off because I can't imagine Sony going to put that they're going to put a console in stores on shelves with a 500 gigabyte SSD because now we don't have enough space. It would be the end of them if they did. Well, maybe it's like a cheap entry-level model, but then still, I mean, I, I can't imagine It's not them. enough. No, I know, like, but like they can, uh, they, you know, the angle they can play is we have a cheap option for you, which is $399 or whatever, and if you want more storage, you can expand it with external storage, or maybe they have like a, something like a Fusion Drive that you can add a store, uh, extra storage to it and that the SSD combines with it. But like, no way are they going to just do a 500 gigabyte model. No, I mean, we've we've had this conversation before, and I already told you that if they if any of them brings them out with a terabyte, it's already bad because a terabyte is not going to be enough. I don't and like for a baseline, five, like five hundred. Like even if you're like, like even if you're doing a cheaper console, you're just pissing people off because those games are not going to be tiny. Yeah, but. In this case, people have to choose. So it's either you pay a shitload of money for a console and you don't complain that you have to pay a shitload because you kind of get a bargain on it. Or, no, but let's be honest. If you build a PC that runs that, because I built a PC last year, it cost me 1,500 euros to build that PC and I can run anything at 4K 60 Ultra. That's 1,500 euros. Or I get a console for 500 or 600 euros that can do the same. I mean, then I don't get to complain if I have a console that does the same. So I either stop complaining that it's 600 euros or I accept the fact that I pay 400 for it and I get a 500 gig SSD and I just have to upgrade it. I mean, like, we have to stop constantly moaning about that we want the best for the lowest price because you can't have it. Yeah, um, try telling the guys at IGN that. I don't give, I don't give a, 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 about that. But, like, I mean, this is a discussion I've had with <laughs> multiple people. Like... If you look at it from a value point of view, you're getting a lot of value for that console price because, I mean, 4K, 60 FPS, maybe 120 FPS. I don't care about the 8K part because I don't believe they'll be able to pull that off. Like, mm. you're getting a bargain for what you're going to buy. So, Well, that know, depends on how much they are going to charge for it. I think people need to accept the fact that the maximum price they're going to set for these things are 499 I think 449 but max 499 Okay, because 
like I said, the, the, the guys on the Game Scoop podcast were talking about it this week, and they were like, well, if they sold it for anything over four ninety nine or three, sorry, over three hundred ninety nine, it's a failure at least at launch, which makes absolutely no sense because the reason why the PlayStation Three failed at launch was because they advertised the PlayStation Three, the expensive one, in a way that you're like, oh, you'll be willing to to like get a second mortgage just to buy a PlayStation 3. It was the way they presented it, not what it was. I can't remember. And the same thing goes for the Xbox One because the only reason why it was that expensive was because they put in this Kinect. If they took out the Kinect and the Xbox One was powerful from the get-go, I don't think people would complain about paying 500 bucks for it. Uh, No. No. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right that if the consoles are as powerful as, well, not these rumors, but the other rumors beforehand have been saying, and the reporting from that is coming out, then sure, that's fine. The other week, I read a rumor saying that the PS5 was going to have a two terabytes uh, SSD. So, like, it's... That would be acceptable. Yes, but, like, the, the specs, I think, are still not locked down, and... What's what's I think Sony is benefiting immensely from this because um, normally they would have done an event, but they they still haven't done an event. And and one of the executives at Sony said we're keeping the we're using the same timeline as we did for the PS4. But if they are doing that, they then should have revealed it by now. So a lot of people are talking about the PlayStation Five and also about the Xbox, but more about the PS5. So like it's working in their advantage and it's creating buzz. But at the same time, it's also creating rumors that that they're struggling to get the price down because there's a shortage of components or that the components are too expensive because there's like a shortage on on whatever and that they want to make money off the console because they did with the PS4. Historically, they never made money on the console. They always made money on software. And since the PS4, they made money on the hardware and now they kind of want to do it again. I think they can afford it to sell it at a loss because they've done that. But like yeah, I don't think they need to control that, the narrative because now it's kind of getting out of control and people are just saying their most random of things. Um, so they need to come up with like an event to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to look. These are the games. Don't allow the pricing. They'll do that after E3 because we know for sure they'll wait till Microsoft drops their price. But at yeah. least do something because now every day I look up, I see a different rumor online. I mean, like I said this before. First, it was all those developers talking about the SSD and how amazing it was going to be and how it was going to yeah. change something. And I got tired of that because it's like, hey, there's more <laughs> to it than just an SSD, man. And now it's a spec or a feature or whatever every day. So like Sony needs to step in now and say, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. This is the game. These are games we're going to ship or mm. these come out. Just give us like a simple event and then they don't need to do a state of play because they would, would be downselling it or that they would be like i think see, see here's the thing because we're talking about sony at the very least they have been dropping out of going to events this year maybe they're not going to pax or at least they're not going to pax east which is i think in about a month due they dropped corona. out of that they dropped out of gdc also due to corona 
But here's the thing. They don't have to because they have offices in the U.S. So they could just um, send like local people to do these stuff. They don't need to bring in people from Japan to do this. But I'm assuming that since it's a Japanese company, they're taking a company-wide stance on, you know, traveling Probably. or restrictive traveling. Also, maybe because, because it's a big public event and you never know what kind of, um, from where people True. over the world would be there. True. I mean, there was one case in Boston. One. Yeah. But there's no reported case in, in San Francisco. For now. Yeah, for now. But why would there be a one? Because people travel over the world and an epidemic is Sure, true. but I'm assuming that at least the the companies from Asian countries also put restrictions on themselves just in case because they don't want to get in trouble getting their workers sick. Can't imagine, but yeah. Or know. getting people in the U.S. sick and getting sued. Yeah. At least so, I hope so. I don't know. Like that, that for me, that's weird. And to me, it would also not be weird if they made this ridiculously ostentatious state of play just to announce the PlayStation Five and what it looks like. Yeah. At least I, I don't think that would be weird. At least for now, I, we don't know what Microsoft is going to be doing. I'm assuming that they're going to fully announce it around E3 time. Yeah. They're gonna because I'm pretty sure they learned the spotlight there because Sony's not there. Yeah, because they learned their mistake, right? They learned their lesson. Yeah, I mean they're gonna yeah. open up guns blazing, Halo Infinite running, 4K, 60 FPS on Xbox Series X. Boom! It's coming out then and then. It's gonna cause this and this, and then let's see the rest. Exactly. And people are gonna be like, "Oh my god!" Whoa. You know how it goes. Yeah, true. And they're probably gonna carpet bomb us with like. Um, X Cloud and games for exclusive uh, um, on Xbox. Um, what is it called again? Games for Game Pass. Game Pass. Thank you. <laughs> was it? Oh, I was thinking Games for Life Gold or Games for Windows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, this is becoming a interesting situation, but Sony needs to step in and give us clarification because it's getting out of control. And because yeah. the funny thing is, is you're hearing nothing regarding Microsoft. All the buzz is around Sony. Because I, I can't think... imagine that Microsoft is also dealing with a component shortage because they kind of use the same components. It's not well, like they... they use a different material or something. Well, the rumor was that the the launch of these consoles might be delayed because of the whole coronavirus thing. Uh, better don't hope so. Though. I mean, even Nintendo was like, yeah, we have to slow down our production because... Um, the the factories in in China are not able to produce the parts, so we might see a slowdown of uh, switches, which is funny because they then announced before that they announced the uh, limited edition Animal Crossing one, and they just announced a new color for the Switch Lite, okay, coral. So that yeah, it's kind of weird messaging there. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, but speaking of Animal Crossing, boy, did they have an amazing direct for it. Oh, your, man. your feet is literally shaking while you're saying that. I mean, it's a bad thing the listeners can't see that. <laughs> like, it seems like just... earthquakes happening over there. <laughs> I, watched, I watched the direct and I was so giddy 
which is like if you've seen me it would be you'd be like wow this big guy is just being giddy of something that's so pastel and sweet and like down to earth yes i am being giddy about animal crossing because oh boy new horizons has some amazing new features and i can't wait to try them out like for example you know i'm just gonna jump right into it to like the one of the biggest features that he introduced you can terraform wow like you can you can shape the rivers you can create waterfalls you can create pools of water you can redirect rivers you can make slopes you can put bridges wherever you want I mean, it's not from the get-go. You have to build up to those abilities. But once you get those abilities that they call permits, you know, like a zoning permit, um, you can do it. You can make paths. You can put down buildings. You can put down anemones. It's really cool. The fact that it, the fact that you can play with four people on one system locally. Or I go online and have eight people on your island. Uh, <laughs> Great. How do you do that with eight, four people on your system locally? You four Joy-Cons. Joy oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And basically, you can have eight people living on the same island. Okay. So basically, every account on the Switch is one villager. Okay. I've never played Animal Crossing, so I'm really curious to see this. We are... I'll, I, when Once it's out, I'll... Uh, We'll 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 do a we'll do a session with one of my accounts. Nice, yeah. Like another another buddy of ours uh, hasn't played Animal Crossing either, and I told him like, you know what? When it's out, I'll uh, I'll I'll let you play on one of the accounts. We'll play together, and you can experience the island life together. <coughs> <coughs> nice. <coughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, take it easy, dear. Yeah, <laughs> it's just these random things. But. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff that they introduced. Um, they introduced that you can go to different islands, uh, what they call the island tours, and those are randomly generated. So they have stuff on those islands that you can't find on your own island, and you can bring them back with you. They have different kind of um, fruits and bugs and fish that you can catch and bring back. There's a whole bunch of things that you can like in there. They um, are allowing you to move in animals on your own say-so. So what the older games used to do was random animals would come and live in your village. And you had no say in where they plopped down their house. So you might have just made this beautiful meadow with flowers and trees and then the next day, plunk, there's a house that you did not ask to be there because okay. an animal insisted on putting their house there. But now you can designate where people put their tents, which later become houses, and just have them move in there, which is really handy. Um, what are the other things as well? Is it, um, too, like in March... Yeah, it's coming March twentieth. It's in the month. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man, I'm so like it's. Not, I'm. You know the thing that excites me more. I'm not the only one in uh, that I know that is excited about it coming out. Like people that I know are 
equally or even more excited about it. Even people that I didn't expect was like, oh, I did not expect you to be an Animal Crossing fan. But uh, welcome to the club. To play these coming months. So yeah, exactly. grab everything they can. Yeah. But the fun part is, of course, that this is finally an Animal Crossing that will be truly online. Nice. But connecting via this will be easier because Animal Crossing Lua on three on 3ds was still a bit challenging to connect to people online and the less we talk about city folk on the Wii, the better <laughs> um but yeah this will this is going to be super awesome um i might do a review or a first impressions kind of thing on that um and i may put it on our youtube channel for that so look out for that one but this is some, this is probably the biggest game to come out at the beginning of the year for Nintendo. Outside of that, there are still a bunch of games that are going to come out before the end of the summer um, that we know that is coming, but that doesn't have a date. But this is the first big one for Nintendo. Nice. I mean, the fact that people are fawning over the limited edition version of the Switch for this, which if you haven't seen it, it is gorgeous. I am so upset that my Wii, my Wii, my Switch is so banged up that I can't trade it in for a new one. Because <laughs> otherwise, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Just sell it online. Yeah, but my, no, it, like you've seen my Switch. That thing is not in a good condition. I haven't seen your Switch, so I can't say what. Oh, all right. Well, I'll show you the next time uh, when we're together. You'll okay. see how bad it is. Oh my God. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's going to be fun. Um, I don't know what to expect, but I do know that um, I didn't expect this. Um, you know, a lot of things that a lot of things in the gaming industry you expect to happen, right? You expect the big AAA title to win awards. You expect. Um, you know, the, the indie darlings being indie darlings. But I don't think that anybody expected that at DICE this year, at the DICE Awards, the game of the year oh would be Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, I mean, nobody saw that coming. <laughs> oh. It beat out Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, and Outer Wilds. I mean... I think what, the way that the Dice Awards work is that it's the industry that, that that votes and determines which game best in a category, yes. and like I I would think that they would kind of follow uh, prior game awards. So that, for example, with the Oscars, it's like that if you if the Golden Globes kind of paint a picture of how the Oscars are going to be, yeah. and here it's like the complete opposite. I mean, Control, for example, won a lot of things uh, in previous Game Award shows. Mm. Death Stranding won a lot. Um, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice was number one. I mean, Game of the Year, according to the Game Awards. And here it's either barely nominated or didn't win anything at all in the categories it was nominated. Um, yeah. I, I'm happy I mean, that Death Stranding of... got two awards. I mean, yeah. I mean, outside of that, it also won Outstanding Achievement for an Independent Game, which makes sense. Like, Untitled Goose Game winning that category made sense. Yeah. But 
it winning game of the year? Wait, wow. Like, some things don't add up. So, for example, racing game of the year, Mario Kart no, let's Tour. Not, let's not. I mean, no, that just not. doesn't add up. I mean, come on. And, and like, uh, what? There was another one. Was that like, what? Racing game of the year made me sad. Yeah. Why? It's not. It's not a racing game. Like it's a slot car thing. No. But the same I mean, with, uh, I get... with uh, outstanding achievement in character on titled Goose Game. It's a goose. Come on. Have you not seen how adorable it is? Nobody cares about an adorable goose. I mean, the same people that got awarded in this other category was was Mads Mikkel's character from Death Stranding and Norman Reedus' character from Death Stranding. <laughs> he lost oh, I can. Oh, stop. Stop with the stupid goose, man. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just... I mean, come on. It's funny. It's funny, but that doesn't mean you get, like, uh, an outstanding achievement in character. I mean, you, I, I, I can guarantee you, if you see Matt Mikkel's character, Cliff, in uh, Death Stranding, hmm. you'll be scared. Oh, probably, but mostly because it's Matt Mikkelsen. Yeah, and that's how amazing the guy is, and that's why he should get an award. I mean, I'm not saying he, shouldn't he doesn't deserve awards. The dude deserves awards. Yeah, I'm just saying that in this case, they probably look more at something unique instead of something that that's instead of a character that was mocapped. Because at the end of the day, you're mocapping a person. And it's that person, but with... I would say that a goose is funny, but it's not really like a unique character. Yeah, but here's <laughs> the thing: when it comes to the goose, and this is this is indicative of just animals in video game in general. Those suckers are not easy to animate, realistically. Like, look at how much effort they put into the horses of Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. They put a butt ton of effort in that. Because they have to. Because it's not easy to animate how a horse walks, trots, runs, does anything. And to make that the main character that you control in an expressive way and a realistic way is an achievement in and of itself. So I think that's the reason why the goose won. Like, jokes aside. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like... I'm still, you know, it's a bit salty. It's strange. I mean, come on. Strange aside, I get the technical reason behind it. Yeah. But everything else, like, if you look at other stuff uh, from this or from the awards, like, Control actually won a surprising amount. But that was with previous uh, game awards as well like with the game awards themselves so that's like kind of why you're surprised that it doesn't you know follow the same result yeah but at the at the same time with control even at the game awards i thought it was kind of weird because people talked about control when it came out but not a lot and then when they won awards they talked about it a little bit more but you haven't heard anything since, and people haven't revisited or told or been trying to get people to play control more. So in a in a sense, it's kind of weird. I'm not saying that the same didn't happen for Untitled Goose Game, but this does get people interested. I mean, until 
what last month i think yeah until last month it was still a switch exclusive but it's a it's not it's not a switch exclusive anymore it's also on playstation 4 so i haven't played it yet i've seen it but i haven't played it yeah like i've i've i brought it out to this uh, to this um uh special christmas e- e- event um at work and the people that played it were way were were taken by surprise and truly enjoyed the untitled goose game i saw and that's kind of what i'm hoping that it would achieve there so it did so uh, i can see why people are into that yeah um, yeah i think we could talk about this for hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so, so i think there's one last thing you want to discuss and that's about geforce now i think yeah oh well let, let me okay. put it this way before we we drop the, the yeah. last fun news you've actually tried it out for quite some hours now maybe you can tell oh, us yeah. like what it's, what's it like it's um okay so there's two things that I've done. I've played it on my MacBook Pro, which is an mm-hmm. uh, early 2011 model. So basically, any games that I'm playing on it right now through GeForce Now shouldn't run on this computer. Runs fantastic. Yeah. I, I played... Like, there's a bunch of games that I that I played on GeForce Now. Um, I played City Skylines. Nice. Um, runs great. Uh, I played Temtem, that early access Pokemon-like game. Oh, you told me, yeah. Runs fine. Um, what did I... Re- I, I, I played Kerbal something Space else. Kerbal Space Program. I've been playing... That's how I've been playing Kerbal Space Program now. Because that is the... It, I can run it at a higher setting than on my PC. Okay. So that's way more comfortable. But the thing is, I also tried playing it on my PC, mm-hmm. and where my PC is, and the fact that it's connected to the network wirelessly, uh, there's always a latency on it. Okay. So there's always artifacting on it. So until I fix that problem, yeah. I won't be playing GeForce Now on my PC um, in the coming future. I'll just stick to the MacBook because I can play near the router and have almost no lag or whatever that's nice because that was my next question do you have any <coughs> latency or not if you play on the macbook because you're closer to the internet yeah it works oh it's amazing i mean i can yeah i mean i can just uh boot it up the process is still a bit mm, longer than i want it to be, you want it to be but instant, i but i understand probably. why okay and because uh, you have to yeah, yeah. Because you have to <laughs> boot up the program. You boot up the program, you select the game, it boots up the game. But what it does is it puts you into a virtual machine where it boots up Steam and that Steam page for the game. Okay. Then you start the game, it'll install the game in like a matter of seconds, and then you click play and then it boots up the game. Okay. And um, does it support But once it does, it's... Sorry? Does it support multiplayer? Yes. And the reason why I know this is because Temtem is a MMO, in quotes. So you see other characters running around in the world, and it runs fine. Yeah, because there was there's no latency or whatever. Of the there's no latency. Like, I've, any games that I've played, regardless of <coughs> artifacting, 
no no latency. Like it's amazing. Okay. I Which, only ask yeah. because there is a little game called Total War Three Kingdoms on Steam. And uh, that has a co-op feature, meaning we can together make China grow so large. And then <laughs> when China has grown large, in the end, we can battle it out against each other to see who the true emperor of China is. Oh, I thought you were saying you're going to kick me out and claim that, that you're the emperor. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would want to kick your ass doing that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we can do that um, when I get the game on Steam. But, which leads to a problem here. So, I've played a bunch of games on GeForce Now, including Skyrim, which, putting on everything on Ultra, it runs like a dream. At least it used to until they had to pull it from the service. They're not the only company that did that, I think. No. Those geniuses at Activision Blizzard did it first. (sighs) But for some reason, the geniuses at Bethesda thought, yeah, we don't want it on there either, even though you've already bought the game. You're not pirating in it. And you're not lending it. So what's the problem? I don't know. But I think I read in Activision Blizzard's case that the games will return. They just haven't said why. Because basically how NVIDIA puts it is that there's been like a miscommunication. And that's why the games have disappeared from the service or were pulled. But Activision Blizzard <coughs> wow, will return or the games will return um, soon. They just don't have an announcement. Mm. But like first they do it and then uh, Bethesda does it. I mean, I would either say, okay, so they might both come up with a streaming service. Um, but I know that Bethesda last E3 announced like this toolkit for cloud gaming. So either they kind of switched gears and said, we're going to make our own service out of it. But then we're going to get this overload of online services next to Stadia and GeForce Now and yeah, and that's where the problem now And I don't know, whatever. Because the funny thing is, since GeForce Now has come out, Nobody's talking about Stadia. Well, they're talking about Stadia, but they're talking about how much it sucks. Because, for example, even xCloud, for example, is running a pilot in which, in the UK and in the US, in which you can play it on iOS devices, which is... Finally. A, yeah. Still not uh, here, so... Yeah, but like that, yeah. I mean, it feels like either everybody is make it, uh, is profiting off Stadia's poor launch and that um, everybody's showing features that fans want or want to hear or that just Google is working on a comeback kind of like a Stadia 2.0 because since Stadia has come out we we actually haven't heard anything about it and I mean they do release games but they are slow to bring to bring out any news on Stadia I hope that GTC um, is going to be this turning point in which they kind of relaunch do, do we know that they're going to be attending I don't know I can check I don't, because I don't, what would you do? Because basically what you've done is launch (laughs) an expensive beta. Uh, And people's three months are running out this month, by the way. Like the three month trial period that you got with your founder's edition. That runs out this month. So after that, people have to start paying the 10 bucks a month. 
if they want to continue to use Stadia. Uh, and I don't see people doing that. At least not a majority of them. So they can they need to fix the part around that I cannot play Stadia without buying the Premiere Edition because I'm on the Stadia website now. And it says, and it still promotes the Premiere Edition. If you want to try it now, do you want to buy it now? Yes, I want to buy it now. I click and I get the Stadia Premiere Edition with the controller, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't want this. I want to, I want to try the service. I'm really excited to try it. It's just that don't want to invest 130 bucks in it. I don't know. They need to get their butts in gear and bring out the 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 base version because at this point, GeForce now is eating their lunch. But if publishers keep taking their games off the surface. Yeah. We are not going to have any cloud gaming for the near future because who would like, because the developers and the publishers starting to notice that GeForce is just basically Netflix for video games. Yeah. And I don't, and it's not like they want that. They want Stadia where you buy the games again. Yeah. Because let's be honest. The only thing that's holding back GeForce now is that it doesn't support 4K and HDR. Yes, but it will have at launch Cyberpunk 2099. 2077. 2077. Yeah, 2077. Yeah, they're even coming out with a special GPU uh, now, a Cyberpunk 2077 branded RTX 2080 Ti. But you can only... And it will support RTX. Yeah, but you can only win it. You can't buy it. So you like have to... Oh, I don't care. I'll buy whatever. the game. I still play, I can still play it on, with RTX on, on GeForce Now. And hopefully by that Which time... I still haven't done. Okay. Uh, with RTX. Like that's, that's the only thing. I don't have a game that has RTX on GeForce Now. So I haven't tried that part yet. But okay. I am looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, because I was about to ask that. Like, have you tried something with RTS, RTX? No, I looked through the list, and like, as far as I could tell, and any of any of the games that I do own that does support it is not on their list. Okay, because I wanted to know how it impacts games. performance, but it's kind of yeah. clear then. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. In so, a way, I want to try it out, but in another way, I'm like, okay, but the first game I'll probably want to play is Total War Three Kingdoms, but I can play that now in 4K, so I want to do it in four, full HD. Yeah. But, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll support 4K. I don't know what's in their pipeline for GeForce now, but... I th- but I think they need to have 4K, because 4K is kind of like... The, I mean, it's becoming the new eventually. standard now. They have to. Uh, eventually. Yeah, hopefully this yeah. year. Yeah. But... um. Before we sign off on news, I remembered the thing that I forgot last week. Uh, so I'm just going to bring it up real quickly. Evo 2020, the lineup has been announced. The standard fare is there. Um, I think the only game that's missing from last year are... You talked uh, about on... this like two episodes ago, right? Did we talk about that? Yeah, you talked about this fighting tournament with the games and that Smash Bros. Right, is in dude. there. And... What did I forget? I don't know what you forgot, but okay. this this is something you already talked about. Okay, then never mind then. Then um yeah, I think those are the big the, the big news that we that we needed to talk about then. I think as well. Yeah, all right. Okay, so people sit tight. We'll be right back with what we've been playing. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man. 
And we're back with our second segment of what we've been playing. Sean Templar, what have you been playing? Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to play many games, so I've kept the three. Um, one of them is uh, I picked up Death Stranding again. Um, I'm at, the game has, I think, 15 chapters. I'm at chapter 10 or 11 now. Um, I had this pretty big boss battle with uh, one of the enemies, that, uh, one of the villains, which is voiced by Tro- Troy Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would end with me winning, and then it didn't. So then you had to. It was a strange boss battle, but it was basically like this giant, headless, armless, feetless man, which consisted of um, kind of like a tar-like material, and then he was so in a it. floating torso. No, no, he had legs, but he didn't have feet or hands. And he didn't oh, have a head. Yeah, and then this the villain is kind of inside the the body, and then you have to you can see him from the outside, so you have to like attack him. Um, but at the same time, you have to dodge his attacks and stuff like that. And then when you beat him, you think like, "Oh, cool, I won!" And then he just runs away uh, with one of the characters you're supposed to save. And then you have to go to another location, but then you don't have any gear at all. So you, first, I had to figure out, okay, how I'm gonna how am I gonna win this boss battle so there's like all these packages that have have been destroyed lying around so you can uh run up to him hit him with a package and then hit him with your fist eventually you find out because first he shoots at you with a gun that's pretty easy to dodge but then in the second phase he has a knife and he can kind of teleport out and in and then he just stabs you every time so eventually i just grab those packages and threw it at him and get stunned and I would walk up to him and I would punch him um, and then you kind of defeat him but the funny thing is is the game took like this this twist I didn't see coming and then suddenly another bad guy that your Matt Mako's character uh, was named Cliff who I was aware of suddenly appears somewhere and it looks like one of the characters that I'm supposed to save works with him and I'm like what what's going on this is so confusing and it, yeah, it kind of looked through a plot twist in there, and I'm I'm currently there right now, so I I mm. like the part that I got this plot twist. Um, I was surprised by it, so that's nice. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm there now. Uh, I still need to pick it up, and then I played some Total War Three Kingdoms again. Um, yeah. So the funny thing is, is I started a different character, but for some reason I just didn't like playing with that character, so I went back to my previous character and started again with him. He's called Liu Bei. Um, and the funny thing is, is that so still in my second playthrough, the game because of the game's updates over the past months, it's still giving me these moments in which I didn't expect things to happen. Because mm-hmm. normally there's a certain event that happens, and that event didn't happen. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I also found out that you can, for example, um, you always get these messages that there are like potential warriors you can recruit for your clan or for your army but i never did it because i didn't know how to do it i thought oh they automatically join my army but found out that you can kind of enlist them by paying them money uh, and i would see like characters that i'd known from before or i know from the romance of the kingdoms area I'm like oh cool i want that guy for example i added one character to my faction and i thought in romance of the three kingdoms you're actually one of uh, you're part of the enemy faction so how is it that i can get you into my army and then, like a couple of turns in, he says, "Yeah, yeah, I want to become my independent faction, but I'll be your vassal and I'll pay taxes to you and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Okay, 
But I thought if I vassalized him, it would only become one city. But when I did, it became a command dream, which meant I lost four uh, four areas. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I can still absorb him into my faction. But when I do that, then people consider me untrustworthy. And I don't want to go there because when my previous campaign, I thought it's either my way or the highway. So if you were against me, I would just either execute you or I would just absorb you. I wasn't really a trustworthy man in that campaign, but I thought like everything to unite China. It's all for the greater good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the ends justify the means. But uh, so now it's cool because uh, the game shifted. And for example, normally I became the first king, but now another faction has declared king before I did. So that's really cool. It's mixing up. And I also found, uh, I'm using the spy mechanic more. So I had one of my generals infiltrate an enemy army. And then you can discredit other characters or you can influence trade or you can um, try to get the general appointed an army. But for some reason, my general started to feel more connected to the faction he infiltrated. So what? eventually he defected. So I, there are two things you can do in that case. Either disown him or the game says you need to remind him of where his loyalties lie. But I couldn't find a way to do that. So eventually he just defected. I'm like, okay, I'll find you on the battlefield and kill you. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I basically did that. Um, yeah, and I've had a lot of those battles again in which I'm, according to the, to the AI, vastly outnumbered uh, and should lose. And then I always say, okay, let, let me just play this one instead of auto-resolve it. So I had this battle that I I didn't have like a tactic. I thought like, okay, I'll have my cavalry hide in the woods and then hopefully I can flank them a little bit and like create as much casualties. But I forgot that I was going to get reinforcements. So all of a sudden I see this huge army pop up. But my army is like massively in front. I'm like, oh wait, I can pull these men back and then wait till the uh, kind of lure the enemy into my trap. And then when they're close to my line, I can have my cavalry flanked him in the back. And also I had a huge army of archers. I can like try to pick them off. So I would, so I drew this battle plan and I drew back my army and merged them with the other army. And I was looking and when you click on an enemy army and on your own army, you can see the range of your archers. It's yeah. like almost, almost. Yeah, and then I sent in my cavalry, and they killed their archers and their catapults, and then it just became one cluster <laughs> f of a mess. And like, eventually, I just instead of just strategy, I selected all units and clicked on one unit, like attack that unit, attack that unit. I won the battle with a lot of casualties, but I won the battle in the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically, not that. sure how to classify that as a victory, but sure. <laughs> the game said it was a pair. Pyrrhic victory, which means it's an awesome victory. Like, all odds were against me, so I won. Um, and I've also been playing The Division 2, because it got Episode 3 content update this week. Um, yeah. What it added was Coney Island, so uh, you go back to New York, because The Division 2 is set in Washington. Um, and it kind of sets it up for the expansion that got announced a week ago, called Warlords of New York. So what basically happens is in the Division 1, you have a bad guy. He's called Aaron Keener. Um, he's a Division agent, first wave that kind of goes rogue. Uh, and in the whole first game, you're fighting against him, kind of. And in the second game, there's kind of almost no mention of him, or you don't even see him. You kind of find out that he just 
ran to Washington DC, spread a virus there, and ran back to. We can only hear it from him in audio logs. But now it's setting it up for that expansion in which you have to first save a scientist he uh, kidnapped in the first game, and then I think it's like two or three missions on the on the island that you do in the update that's come out now. And then when Warlords of New York comes out. You go back to New York to take out Aaron Keener. So New York's been hit by a storm. The environment's changed a little bit. Um, they're doing a lot of stuff. So they're raising the level cap. They're raising the gear score. They're adding legendary difficulty to certain missions that were already in there. They're raising the global difficulty, like all the enemies in Voyager fighting against. They're raising that. Um, they're going to do more with, they call it infinite progression. So that you can mm-hmm. like specialize into certain areas more than normally. Um, there are more zones in it. Uh, there are more missions in it. Basically, more weapons and gear. They're basically overhauling the game. It's it, they're almost calling it Division Two Two Point in a way. Wow! Yeah, okay. so it's really nice. People are really uh, excited. It's coming up pretty soon, March third, uh, which is in like a week or something, ten days. Um, I probably will buy it, or I think I can even buy it because I'm a season pass owner for the year one. So season pass owners get week early access. I think oh, I'll probably okay. be able to buy it in the coming days. Uh, I like Division Two. I still don't understand why it why it didn't meet up to expectations because um, it's still fun. I put in some hours. I really like it. Uh, the only gripe I have with the game is is that, for example, the meta of the game is in such a place that. Uh, I keep getting shotguns, SMGs, and DMRs. And for example, I like M4s. And the M4s I get dropped are so rare. And then when they do drop, they're not as strong as other uh, weapons. So then yeah. you're not incentivized to use them. You're like, oh, well, this gun does 15k damage, but the other gun I got does 20k damage. I'm not going to use a 15k M4 because I have a 20k uh, damage AK. So. It kind of has an issue. I have an issue with that, but it's supposed to be fixed in badge. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean, we even played a little bit. Um, yeah. Together. Yeah. A little bit in the early stages still, but it, yeah, it was. The like, game really shines. That game up again uh, was still fun. Yeah, the game really shines yeah. when you play together with someone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just. I don't know. It's kind of weird that it hasn't been getting more attention i think they're trying to pull a taken king with this expansion i well i hope it works out for them yeah it'd be nice i mean you'll be kind of pushed all their massive games out so yeah they're betting on this one yeah cool any other games you played nope that's it what have you been playing me well like i said i've been playing a lot on with geforce now so most of it has been PC gaming um, for the past couple of weeks. Um, been doing more Kerbal stuff. I actually uh, hooked up with a with a with a with a with a buddy of ours who is way 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 into Kerbal, and uh, I showed off Kerbal running on my uh, on my MacBook Pro, and he was impressed um, with uh, with that it looks so good and it's running fine. Um, less impressed with my skills, but. That is that is an aside. Um, is it the rocket scientist friend of ours? Yes, it yeah, is. <laughs> like, he's a rocket scientist. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. 
But um, he actually gave me two of his designs. I haven't had the chance to load them in yet because, um, like I said, it, GeForce was not running on my PC that well. So I need to load them in on the regular client on my PC so that I can actually import it and then put it in the cloud so that I can play it on GeForce and use his designs and see if I can actually get to the moon. <laughs> um, yeah, he was telling me about how he just completely... Com- he completed the the game multiple times. He even completed it with a mod where you're where it modifies the cockpit because you do have a cockpit view in Kerbal, Ooh, but it's very basic. Yeah. But this mod adds like a bunch of extra monitors so you can do everything from the cockpit. Oh, that's nice. So he did a mission where he lifted up from Kerbin in cockpit mode with all these monitors. He went to the moon. Touched down, launched back from the moon back to Kerbin. What? Which is something that I've never done with the regular perspective, let alone in cockpit mode. Wow! So talk about a VR game. It would be like with that mod, it would be perfect for VR. Um, but as far as I can tell, there is no mod. At least I haven't seen a mod that is for VR. Yeah. For, for Kerbal Space Program, I do know that the person that did the original mod that he used is working on a new, more a new, more intuitive mod that does the same thing but better. Yeah. Um, for at least for the first game, so that's going to be interesting. The other interesting thing is that, um, yeah, like I've not had in like apart from once in a while a little bit of artifacting because it says slow connection which outside of the computer that i'm playing on the only other thing that is on online is my i is my iphone so where the slowdown is coming from i have no idea okay um there should be nothing on the network that's causing these once in a while dips but runs like a dream did you by the way see that uh Take Two has formed a studio that is going to take over the development of uh, Kerbal Space Program Two. Yeah, I saw that. Well, it, it's kind of a bit weird because the way they explain it, there are people from the the the, the original the, dev team working at that studio. Exactly. So it's basically like a rebranding of the studio more than the studio taking over. Um, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's cool that they're actually. I mean, it's cool that they're actually investing on in Kerbal Space Program too. Uh, I just hope that they don't blow the launch. Because um, I mean, it's set I, to I've, come out this year because they've given like a release date or a window that it's gonna come out this year. Yeah, I mean, here's hoping that it comes out and it comes out and it's fine. Um, I'm 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 gonna get it regardless because it has multiplayer. That that means we can that I can play with our uh, rock, rocket science uh, buddy. So nice. yeah, so Ker- Kerbal Space Program on GeForce now, fantastic. Played uh, a little bit of uh, City Skylines, like I said before in the new segment. Um, first time playing it, and it's been a while since I played a city building sim like Sim City. Yeah, and unlike the new Sim City, the one that was not good um what the one that came out have... a couple of years ago yeah it, <laughs> okay it's it's way more um to the metal 
in terms of city planning. Yeah. So you have to actually put in pipes for water, oh. make sure that you're they're electric, that you're that the that the that the city's hooked up to the electric grid, stuff like that. Um, do the proper zoning, make sure that everything is running fine, make sure that you have the garbage disposal running, make sure that you have the wastewater being disposed wow, of properly, really stuff nice. like that. The one thing that I will say is that the game does not come with a tutorial. Oh, like right. any other game, it would have come with a tutorial. Sim, I played SimCity 4 yeah. a, a, a couple of weeks ago again, just, just to check it out. And that has a tutorial in it, but City Skylines does not have it. That's which is kind of a, a game like letdown, that. which probably means I have to look it up online with someone's random tutorial. <laughs> um, because I was like the first from the the first time that I tried to do, I immediately messed up because I wasted all my money. Oh, so okay. immediately I had to start all over again. And then the second time it went a little bit better, but now I'm in debt. Uh, and I already <laughs> took out a loan, and I don't want to take out a second loan just to, just to get things, um, rolling because now I unlocked. You know, you slowly unlock stuff. You start off with the basic stuff. You can zone areas for commercial and residential and industrial, and you start off with just needing to have water and electricity running. But when you level up your town it unlocks more facilities and you have to basically implement them uh, as soon as possible because when you unlock the garbage dump, immediately your town starts creating garbage. And if you don't <laughs> okay. take care of it quickly, it's going to pile up and cause pollution. Um, after that, you also get stuff like schools. You, get, uh, you unlock... Uh, police stations, hospitals, fire departments, and you have to implement them properly and re responsibly. Otherwise, you're just going to run out of money and the whole town is going to go catch fire and crime will be rampant and you're not going to make any money and then the whole town is a ghost town. <laughs> so I think I'll try and look up some tutorials on City Skylines a bit, but it, yeah, it runs like a dream. That Put that stuff no on tutorial. Ultimate Runs. Sorry? I just can't imagine that that game doesn't have a tutorial. I mean, like, then people can't get into it, right? I think with City Skylines, it's meant for, like, hardcore um, sim guys. So people that are used to playing SimCity, the old SimCities, would feel right at home with City Skylines. Okay. Which yeah. is, I'm assuming that that's the case, because you can make your own assets in the game. Yeah for use in the game. So I think that this really is more geared towards the hardcore sim city builder okay. kind yeah. of person. Makes sense. Um, I also played a little bit of Temtem, um, which for people that don't know, Temtem is this uh, game that is basically Pokemon. If Pokemon were an MMO, Kinda, sorta. It's an early access on Steam. I will be, I will be honest in saying this. I did not buy this for myself. It was a gift from a friend. That's nice. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that he saw that it was because the funny thing is, I actually bought City Skylines for him because it was on discount uh. and it was on his wish list. So I was like, you know what? Let me just buy it for you because you probably hasn't seen that it's on discount yet. 
So I bought that for him, notified him that I bought him City Skylines, and then he bought Temtem for me. I was like, well, okay. I mean, I wasn't sure if I was going to buy Temtem, but thanks anyways. Uh, at least now I get to try it out. So I tried it out a bit. I played about 20 minutes or so, and yeah, it kind of feels like Pokemon, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't feel like Pokemon. Um, mostly because of the whole MMO part of it. Yeah. Um, it again, it's in early access, so you can't interact with people that you see on screen. You see them running around and stuff like in an MMO, but even the emotes do not trigger a response from people. But like when I think about it, I would say that Pokemon is the perfect game for an MMO. Like catch Pokemon together with your friends and stuff like that. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, some games are like, oh, I can't imagine that they didn't make an MMO out of this. Yeah, but you have to imagine that the the goal of Game Freak has always been to reach as many people as possible. And when they say people, they mean kids. Um, and kids, you don't kind of want them to play MMOs. Just for the... A lot of just people for the play World of Warcraft. Just, a lot of people play Fortnite. Yeah, but Fortnite's not an MMO. No, but it's like hours of multiplayer. Goodness. True, true. It is hours of multiplayer. Um, yeah, they have their reasonings. And again, it Pokemon has always been a portable game. So yeah, when are you going to do an MMO ever? Like, yeah. It's not like they're going to make Pokemon for PC. Like Nintendo would allow that. Um, I wonder if but, Nintendo will ever branch out to something else. I mean, Sony's considering it, but that's aside. Yeah. Um, I don't think so unless they told... Because, because what I already said before, that I don't know if the, the new president shares the same philosophy, philosophy, but if Nintendo were to ever like not be viable in the gaming market or their systems would not be would not sell sell anymore they just step out of the gaming industry altogether i wonder what they would and do, do something else because their business is based around games well i mean it's a over 100 year old company and it's not like gaming is all they've done so i've heard that they've done some weird stuff in the past oh yeah they've done some weird stuff i'll uh i'll uh, let i'll let you know more of it offline but suffice to say they did some weird stuff they also did less weird stuff i mean they had a lego clone they had, they had instant rice. They had noodles. They had. They had a taxi service. They had a hotel with love beds that were yes, rent by the hour. <laughs> love That's just hotels, yeah. For a company <laughs> like Nintendo, which is all about kids. Yeah, but again, that was in a time before they started doing video games. I know, but still. <laughs> um, what would happen when Mario a- walk into your room and say, "It's a me, a Mario," and then give you a hug or something like that? Please don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been yeah. So I've been trying stuff on GeForce now, but I've also been playing some stuff on my PlayStation. Like I said, where we already said before, we played some um, the Division Two together. But I also installed Neo. Oh yeah, I added on because that. I added on PlayStation Plus, and I was like, okay, I had to free up some space because there was this giant update for. Uh, for the for the division two, good grief, seriously, five hundred gigs? No, 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 that's not fun. But um, it did free up some space, so I was like, you know what? Let me try Neo. I know that it's basically like um, 
Demon Demon Souls, uh, Dark Souls. So I played it. Um, played I think about at least an hour of it, and yeah, it is like a lot like like Dark Souls. It has slightly different mechanics, um, but the base stuff is like almost the same. The the fighting mechanics are different enough um, because it doesn't, as far as I've gone so far, there doesn't seem to be a parry system. Maybe it comes in later, but where I'm at right now, early in the game, there's no parry system. You can block, you can dodge roll, but you can't parry. So that's been uh, a bit challenging because if you've played Dark Souls, then you kind of rely on the parry system to get those the the heavy damage and the one hit KOs, and I can't do that, so I've been dying a lot. I only played the demo at the time. I liked it, but it's not my kind of game. I still want to try it, maybe, but you know. I mean, I'm assuming that you also have it on PlayStation Plus, so I do. I mean, it's worth a try just for that, at least. Yeah. And um, I bought near near Automata. I saw. That. I mean, it's a game that I've played before with at a friend's house, but now I finally own the game. Um, and yeah, it is my it, it's my kind of game. It's a platinum game. It's it's RPG hack and slash at its finest. The music is amazing. Like it's this subtle, it's this subtle uh, orchestral score, and it really kind of paints a picture of this post-apocalyptic world, and it matches everything. The game itself is interesting because it's not just a hack and slash. It has a bunch of other tiny other gameplay elements in there. Like, for example, one of the boss battles that I just did was this opera singing robot who who sends out this uh, disruptor beam. And if it hits you, it immediately goes into this weird twin stick shootery thing where you have to shoot a ball to hack it so that you get so that you get undazed. It it's really strange. weird. It sounds yeah. Really it's it's really strange. weird. It has some weird subject matters in there, um, like the previous like the previous boss beforehand. This is early in the game, so it's not like really spoilery. And I'm pretty sure that people have talked about it already. Plus, it's a game from 20, 2017. So if you haven't played it yet, spoiler warnings. Um, but this one oh man, this one segment where you before you hit the boss. There are these tiny little robots with these round heads that are acting like they're humans. So they're doing things like rocking a cradle with no baby in it and saying stuff like, my child, my child. And you're walking around, they're doing all these weird stuff. And then you come across these two robots that are doing the deed, but it doesn't, but it looks ridiculous because they're just clashing to, against each other. Okay. It just sounds weird. <laughs> and it, it's so weird and just so I, I nonsensical. I don't comfortable talking about this right now. And then they all come together to form this huge robot uterus, and then they give birth to this human-looking robot. Please just stop. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, seriously, besides the fact that it's weird, the gameplay is excellent, and you should at least try it for that. I'm never gonna try that. At the very least, try it for the weirdness. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but basically that's what I've been playing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, stick around because we'll be back with our hidden gems. Yep. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to our last segment, the hidden hidden gems. So, what's your hidden gem? <laughs> um, my hidden gem is um, a game that I actually got reminded of that uh, that I played a long time ago. Um, it is a DS game, sorry, but this one is going back to that sim well. Um, it's called Lost in Blue. And it's this sim game where you play as two, well, you play as a, um, as a stranded teenager on a, on a deserted island. Um, you come across another survivor, um, this girl who was also apparently on the same cruise ship that you were both on. And the ship sank and you both got on this island. And it's up to you to make sure that the both of you survive. Um, for a DS game, it got really deep into the whole sim aspect of it because you had to manage your hunger. You had to manage your, uh, your, your thirst. You had to make sure that you had uh, a safe place to hide. Um, you had to hunt your own food. You had to cook your own meals. You had to make sure that any hostile creatures on the island were kept at bay. So you eventually had to... It doesn't happen a lot, but you do have to fight off animals every once in a while. And it's basically just to survive. You go in, you explore the island, you have to um, see... You, you're, you're, re you're looking at what the island is and how to get off and how to survive and it's for a ds game it actually gets does get pretty deep in there you get to know the other um, stranded person you interact with them there are moments where you have to guide her to the next location and uh there it, that then it gets a bit kind of like the um what do you call those again escort missions um but they're not that challenging. At least they weren't when I played it, that, as far as I remember. But it was a really nice-looking game for the DS, at least, at the time. Um, but yeah, just Lost in Blue was, uh, was something different. Nice. Because it came out fairly early in, this, in the DS's life cycle. Um, and there wasn't anything like it on the DS. And it was just, it was a nice change of pace. I mean, it has that aspect of what you would expect from a sim game, but it also has that whole, you know, trying to survive, making sure that uh, both your hunger meters are filled, making sure that you're both safe and you're both healthy. Um, and you always have food um, to cook and shelter. Okay, okay. So... Yeah, I mean, it was good enough for it to get a sequel. Um, I never played the sequel. I was curious about it. It looked better than the first game. But I don't think the sequel actually got a European release. But, uh, yeah. Uh, let me check it real quick. Stop, lost. 
in blue. Uh, last in blue. Yeah, so so the first game came out in two thousand five. Um, basically the the in with still within the first year of the DS's release. Um, did the sequel? Oh, there was oh I, wow, there were three sequels. Um, so there was Last in Blue two, which did come out in Europe. Never played it though, but it did come out in Europe in two thousand seven, and then Last in Blue three which came out in 2009, at least 2009 in Europe, 2007 in Japan. I didn't even know this one even existed. Considering that it came out in 2009 on basically the heyday of the DS, I'm surprised it even made it that far. Um, And then they, I think, had a Wii title called Lost in Blue Shipwrecked, which was basically a remake of the first game, I think. Something like no, no, it wasn't a remake of the first game. It was a separate game altogether. But yeah, that game did not look good, even for a Wii game. <sighs> yeah, which is kind of disappointing considering that it's on the Wii. You know, you'd think that it at least would look better, but it looked it looked so much like a PlayStation Two game. Yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, it's a whole series. I mean, the first game, the first game in the line was the Japan exclusive Survival Kids, that came out on I think Game Boy Color. Yeah, Game Boy Color. So Lost in Blue is technically a spiritual successor to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you have a DS and you want something that uh, that's a survival scene with a sandbox kind of element to it, Lost in Blue. I would also recommend Lost in Blue 2, but I haven't played it yet, so I can't recommend that. But I can recommend the first game. Nice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your hidden gem? It took me a while to think about it, and it's kind of funny because I didn't actually finish this game, but that's because mm-hmm. the game is maybe mechanically broken, causing more frustration to not finish it. Oh. But I th- still... But when I played this game, I st- it still left an impression on me. And they even did a sequel. I never, I bought them both. I never played the sequel. But the game is called Kane and Lynch Dead Man. It is a game developed by IO Interactive, the people behind Hitman, and another hidden gem I mentioned, Freedom Fighters. Um, mm-hmm. And it centers around that you're a guy called Kane, and you basically kind of ripped off some people. Uh, with a heist and these people find you and they want their money back. Um, And you kind of can't pay them back from what I remember. And so you have to pull off a heist to get them the money back. Um, They hook, they hook you up with this kind of psycho unstable dude called Lynch that uh, if he doesn't take his medication goes into kind of berserk mode and kills everything and everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a joy to have around. Yes. Um, what I liked about this game, and which kind of caused the disappointment, and you might remember this, is that uh, the game leading up to its launch, they had these super cool trailers, they had this super cool music in the trailers, they painted this picture like it was kind of an action movie that you're in. Um, uh, Idos Interactive. 
was the publisher, they sponsored GameSpot with this. GameSpot's review completely bombed the game, causing Jeff Gersman to be fired from GameSpot, creating Giant Bomb. Some people might remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember playing the demo of the game on my PlayStation, and it was this uh, um, um, level in a tower in Japan, and you would have to kind of storm into this meeting from the outside with the rope, would jump in and kill everybody and fight your way down. And it just felt so nice. You know, you could pick up different kinds of weapons. You could melee disarm people. Uh, the music would be nice. At the time, because it's a PS3 game or a PC game, at the time you would get into cover. And then if they would shoot at you, the cover would break around you. You, would, you could play the game in co-op if you wanted to. Um, it really reminded me of like a movie I watched, uh, or I still watch once in a while, called Heat, which is a movie with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, you know, bank robbers movie. Yeah. It kind of felt like I was playing that movie. That's why it maybe it left an impression on me. But what I disliked about the game, which kind of caused me never to finish the game, is that mechanically the game is really broken. So for example, there's a cover system in the game, but the cover system doesn't work often. So sometimes when you want to get into cover, it doesn't get into cover. You can't really trigger it with a button press. You just have to walk into cover. And sometimes when you don't want to get into cover, it puts you into cover. <laughs> so that's one of like the big things in the game that makes it unplayable. You know, or the AI is really stupid sometimes. Uh, but I remember that just let, let me put it this way: from a total package or presentation point of view. It left a, an, an impression on me. Like, you know what? Let me buy this game. And I bought it, I think it was 10 euros in a bundle. You would get both games on Steam. I'm actually thinking about picking it up again. Because uh, mm. I kind of still want to know how it ends. Because from a story point of view, it got praised. It was really good from a story point of view. From an actors and character and a performance point of view, it was really good. Uh, they did make a sequel. I haven't played it. Uh, it got better reviews than the first one. But... I don't think enough to let IIO Interactive ever consider the game again, or maybe they don't have the rights to the game. Um, uh, well, considering where the position they're in now, I seriously doubt that they have. I don't know, like who does own the rights to that now? Because if it could either I just got absorbed by Square Enix. I think Square, because when they broke off with Square, they did buy the rights to Hitman, but they didn't talk about any other rights. Yeah. I think that I think they were more into that than anything else. Yeah, um, I mean, they made great Hitman games in the last few years, but I mean, if they could do either like a Freedom Fighter sequel or, you know, Kinelich Deadman 3 or something like that in a bit of a, you know, updated setting, better mechanics, I think it would really shine. It also kind of reminded me of uh, Max Payne, which was a good game. So yeah, you know, it's I think because it left such a impression on me mm. that I still think like people should try to play it even though it's kind of mechanically broken but you know you should give it a chance I mean I tried yeah. yeah that's fair I mean just because it's a hidden gem doesn't mean that it's a masterpiece it's just a game that probably most people have either never heard of or ever even if they did they never tried because of some other reason and we're just here to I you like know that spread the word to make people aware of why they should give a game a chance. Yeah. I mean, between, you know, Kane and Lynch, Lost and Blue, and any other game that we've talked about um, on Hidden Gems, whether they're easy to come by or not, um, they 
to us, they still feel like something that are owed their due at the yeah. very least. Yeah, otherwise um, we wouldn't talk about them. Yeah, I mean, that's why part of me is still very happy that the Wonderful 101 um, Kickstarter is as, is as successful as it is. Yeah. I mean, it's raised more than a one and a half million dollars um, in such a short time. And the Kickstarter is still not up yet. Um, it I'm has slowed down see. significantly. So I don't know if it's going to get to like two million or whatever, but they but hit it, their stretch goals. So, yeah, they hit most of their stretch goals. And yeah, I think people just want the game. So it, it has the money. It has the funding. It's It's going to be great. That yeah. people finally get a chance to play this game. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that people are going to get a chance to play this game. I'm going to pick it up again for Switch. Do you back it? No, but I wanted to wait till the last minute before I decide to back it. Because they already reached the goal. So it's like, I can do it just so I can get the DLC for free. But you know what? I'm willing to pay for the DLC if I don't back the project either way. So, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll see. I'll Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I'm going to get the game regardless. So. Nice. But that's it for our Hidden Gems. And uh, thank you guys, as always, uh, for listening to uh, Game Rivals. Um, as always, you can find us on all the podcast services. Uh, you can find us on our home at uh, Anchor. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Google Play Podcast, you can find us on Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Spread the word of uh, Game Rivals, let them know that um, there are these two cool dudes that just like talking about games and talking about game rivalry and talking about video games, industry in general. Um, you can always send your feedback to us via the email with at game arrivals uh, at game rivals feedback at gmail.com. You can send us feedback to via our Twitter, which is at games underscore rivals underscore. You can uh, send me feedback or a shout out uh, on Twitter with at Maximilian. Um, you can always send us a voice message. Uh, the link is in the episode description. You don't need an anchor account to send us a voice message. Um, it could be a question. It could be a comment. Maybe we'll feature in one of these episodes so you can be a game rival too. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, which is at Game Rivals. You can look, uh, you can look us up on YouTube. Um, we have some videos on there. I have the unboxing for Legend of Zelda. Uh, Link's Awakening for Switch on there. Uh, Sean Templar has his uh, first hour gameplay on there of uh, Star Wars, uh, The Force. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> Why was I thinking The Force Awakened? I don't know. Um, it's on there. The link's in the description um, because apparently there are a bunch of other game rivals on uh, YouTube, but we are the true game rivals. Um, so please remember that. And yeah, as I said uh, 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 um, at the beginning, please share the word. Um, let people know that we exist. Give us five-star ratings on uh, any of the podcast services that allow you to, to give reviews um, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts. Those do reviews. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Do you have anything else to share, Sean Templar? 
I just want to thank everybody. I do it all the time and I'm going to keep on doing it. Thank you all so much for listening and your feedback. You're the reason we keep on doing this. Yes. I totally agree with that. And with that, I am Maximilian X. And I am a six-shot Templar. <laughs> Signing <laughs> off and have a good one.